So this podcast is going to be a little different this episode. We are now in a beautiful, very sacred place uh, called Corimelia. This is where people come together to try to work through their differences. You might hear the ocean waves in the background. Um, it's right on the sea. It's actually where three seas, three different waters meet. And there's great symbolism in that. You know, three very different tides are coming together to form one big body of water. And you can see that in nearly every window of Corimelia. Um, but we've had just a really special time here and I want to tell you a little bit about it as we go. So for now, just enjoy these ocean waves and the sound of Northern Ireland. This is Grounded on Purpose with special guest Sylvia Gordon. If you're like me, you're probably one of the millions of people around the world with new goals in mind for 2023. This likely includes how to create meaningful relationships and keep them, even if there are some differences with those we hold dear. Today, we're taking a deep dive into how we can work through these differences with someone who does this daily. Sylvia Gordon is the head of program at the Corimela community, which resides on one of the most beautiful coasts on Northern Ireland that I've ever been to. It's where three different waterways come together and they meet as one body of water, which is very symbolic to all we're going to talk about today. And just like these waters, Sylvia helps people from all over the political spectrum come together to tackle some of the most divisive issues of our time. Sylvia, welcome to Grounded on Purpose. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And I love your description of Carmela. Oh, it was so beautiful. And I tell people, I, I came back from Northern Ireland in that trip. We were there for two weeks. We were there with students and from Belmont University. And um, I, I was processing so much just over the summer. We had gone in June, right into the beginning of July. And my husband said, Jen, how was the trip? And I just was, I was like computing. I'm like, I'm still processing. I'm still processing. There was so much to take in. And your work, it's just so beautiful what you do there. And I want to get into that in just a minute. Um, but I met you through some of your colleagues there. And I had heard one of the first things, oh, you need to talk to Sylvia. Sylvia was honored by President Obama. And I said, oh, excuse me, I need to know more about this. And I have yet to really talk to you about this. So I know you started a community organization. It was called Groundwork Northern Ireland. And it aims to bring about change from the ground up. And of course, this podcast is grounded on purpose. So this Groundwork Northern Ireland really speaks to me too. But you were honored by President Obama for this. Can you tell us more about that? I can, and to be honest, even after all these years, I'm, I'm still processing um, what led up to that and that moment itself and what came after. And uh, yeah, it was a hugely humbling experience in the Waterfront Hall. So at the time, I was the Chief Executive Officer of, of Groundwork Northern Ireland, and our head office was in Duncan Gardens in North Belfast, which is what we describe in Northern Ireland as an interface. 
and that's where communities um, come up against each other and we live cheek by jowl in terms of different backgrounds and traditions. So on one side of the interface we had the, the Catholic Republican New Lodge area and on the other side we had Tigers Bay which is um, a Protestant Unionist uh, working class area in North Belfast. So groundwork itself was situated right at that interface um, where there had been lots of contentious issues and still will be in terms of the legacy of the conflict itself, the impact of the conflict and how that has manifested itself not only in the environment but the way people live, the way people navigate the area. Yeah, so that that's just the sort of setting of, of the work, which is which is very important to understand. So Groundwork is an environmental organisation, and at that time we looked at contentious issues, particularly around peace walls and interfaces, and actually how do we go about developing partnerships and relationships to make lasting change at such contentious areas. Yeah, and that that really led to what you do now. And I know there's definitely some time between there, but I want to get into Corey Mila and the work you do. A lot of my listeners only know my descriptions of Corey Mila, but it is the oldest peace and reconciliation group in Northern Ireland. And you do such amazing work there. But what is Corey Mila for those who don't know anything about it? Can you just explain that to us? So Corey Mila is just a wonderful place to be um, with wonderful people. And our residential setting in, in um, North um, Antrim on the coastline is a place that has been highly strategic over the centuries. So it's, it's that complexity of identity that we deal with or that we work through in Koromila. Um, so we invite people um, that have different opinions, we invite them into conversations about difference. Um, but we don't start with the difference, we start with what what brings us together and what um, is of common purpose to us and the things that we hold dear, what what is the familiar um, parts of us that we recognise in each other, so what is our, our, our humanity and all of that. Um, so we don't go straight into that hard topic of oh, what makes us different, it's actually what makes us the same, what do we hold dear. Um, so yes, it's a wonderful site, um, it's a residential setting, um, we have various programmes on throughout the year, um, we are a community of faith, that we are welcoming of all faiths and of people who have, have no faith as well. Um, so. As an organisation, we were founded um, by Ray Davey, who was a Presbyterian minister and a student at Queen's, as well as a long history in terms of um, serving um, as a chaplain in the Second World War. And he came back from the Second World War perturbed and distressed about what he had seen and witnessed. And he was, had, amazing vision and foresight to say we need something like this to address issues coming out of a society emerging from a second world war but also he felt the troubles that were brewing 
in Northern Ireland at the time. So Coromila in itself, yes, it's absolutely Ireland's oldest peace and reconciliation centre. And it is um, pre-Troubles as well. So we were there right before our modern day conflict or our recent conflict, which some people describe as the Troubles, um, uh, came about in the late 1960s. Yeah, I, I was fascinated too. So I was, you know, just kind of digging into more of Corrymeela and the history back in the 60s, you know, right yeah. before the Troubles and then right at, you know, when the Troubles began at the height of the Troubles, you actually, the organization had buses that would come in and just take children out of Belfast, out of the conflict areas, bring them up to the coast. You're about an hour and a half away, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. Um, so just bus the children out, and it was like a big summer camp as the middle, you know, they were in the middle of these conflict and this war, um, and just giving them some sense of peace during this awful 30-year conflict. Um, and and I, I just, I'm so amazed by that. Um, and a lot of people, you know, say Corimila when we were there, they were saying, we're the hippies on the hill. Uh, you're known as that sometimes. <laughs> or some people say that Corimila means it's defined as the hill of harmony. But the actual definition is actually the place of lumpy crossings, which made me giggle a little. The place of lumpy crossings at the hill of harmony, the hippies on the hill. Yes, those yeah. are just maybe a little more of a, a better headline, the journalist in me is thinking. Um, but then the place of lumpy crossings actually is one of the most beautiful stories. And I want you to kind of dive into this. What does the place of lumpy crossings mean? And how is that symbolic of what you do at Corimula? Ah, So that's a very good question, Jen. <laughs> what does lumpy crossings mean to me? Well, I suppose it speaks a little bit to my my um i'm a geographer by heart so mm. it, it speaks to me lumpy speaks to me of um what comes after an ice age where there's deposits left and there's and the landscape isn't quite as perfect as what it was and we've got little hillocks and um little drumlins i suppose as well so it speaks to me from a, a geographical perspective um, also speaks to me about relationships. Um, relationships are lumpy. Relationships are difficult at times. And sometimes we do reach those crossroads where we have to have very straightforward conversations or, um, you know, you you maybe part your ways or whatever. So it's about, but it's also about staying in relationship at the end of the day. Um, but it's a pull. To me, it sounds like a pull in terms of, of heart, in terms of place, in terms of your own identity and how you relate to that place. Um, uh, and again, I suppose it speaks to me as well about maybe, you know, it is a strategic site um, in terms of centuries ago. So in itself, it would have been contested probably, um, especially whenever we had kingdoms on the go and um, different clans on the go and um, whenever we had a diverse trade coming from across the world and coming to Ballycastle. Ballycastle is a seaside town um, in its day many centuries ago it had a port um, and the diversity was much more 
then and what it is now. Um, we had lots of ships from different parts of the world. So we actually, in terms of, of Lumpy Crossing, we look at our, not only um, our past 30 years, but also some of the richness that goes back into our own contested heritage as well. Yeah. Oh, that is beautiful. I didn't know you had a background in geography as well. So that brought a whole <laughs> new element, if you will, to everything you said. Um, you know, but it, it brings up this conversation of conflict. And, you know, conflict is lumpy. I think that's a good way to put it, right? Mm. These conversations can be very lumpy. And during my visit, uh, Corey Mila's former director, Paul Hutchinson, he asked us all as a group, and, you know, we were a group of about 20, 25. He said, how do we avoid conflict? We kind of paused, and Paul's answer to all of this was, don't be in relationships. And we all kind of sat silently, don't be in relationships. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was very sarcastic in that way. Um, but what he, what he was saying there is that, you know, we're in perpetual conflict just by being people. You know, we're going to be in conflict, and it's not a bad thing. And in the West, we kind of think of it as a bad thing. Um, how do you explain conflict and what are some of the ways we can work through this conflict that we, all of us find ourselves in? Yeah, um, you're absolutely right, Jen. Conflict is perpetual. Paul was absolutely right. It, it's around us all of the time. And I suppose it, it's how we hold ourselves in that conflict. It's how actually we're self-aware. You know what activates us. Um, and, you know, we know how to respond to that activation. Um, so it's about, I suppose, an element of, of self-awareness whenever it comes to managing conflict. Um, uh, keeping the head cool, containing the conversation, containing the relationship. And for me, I suppose, um, and I say this, I've said it many on many an occasion, um, if you leave the room in bad form or in a bad way, you must remember that you need to come back in. So, you know, be cautious about how you leave. Be intentional about how you leave, as in try to um, manage that frustration and don't close the door, but leave the door ajar so that you can come back at a later date. Um, managing conflict. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's perpetual in terms of life itself, in terms of relationships at home, at work. Um, and I suppose it's about knowing where the other person is coming from, their perspective, uh, and what's happening, what's happening in the world for them on that day as well. Um, you know, you're not usually like this, or it's very rarely, or you know, there's something else going on here. Do you want to talk to me about it? So it's it's being approachable and it's, um, I think it's actually been fit to name it as well and say, there's something wrong. You know, there is something um, that's not quite right today. Um, what's happening? Is there something you want to tell me about? Um, so it's a, it's a wider context in terms of a person's life um, and, actually being very mindful that we carry on our shoulders an awful lot of stuff with us uh, in terms of life itself. And whether we, whether we like it or not, sometimes that comes to the fore. And people are very canny, very astute 
at picking up on that. Um, and um, I suppose it's being honest, um, being honest that, yeah, I'm having a, a bad day. This is why um, I'm sorry. Um, and seeing where you know, there's many facets to this. Um, and I suppose for us, it's about a little bit of reflection as well, going away and saying, what happened there? Um, right, okay. I can see how this escalated. Um, I can see how it was actually managed well or not. And the different management tools that you bring in to de-escalate, be it the tone of the voice, be it the expression, be it the smile, be it the ability to host and say, listen, I'll get you a cup of coffee and let's sit down. Yeah. And that's also, it goes to the point of what you all also preach so well is having the safe space. So no matter if you're feeling whatever emotion you're feeling today, this is a safe space. Let's grab a cup of coffee. Let's talk. I loved that because sometimes it's really the basics, you know, that you have to be mindful of, um, that we all carry conflict. That's a basic rule of thumb. No one is going to avoid conflict their whole life. But also there are safe spaces. There's pauses. There's time for reflection, um, which which I love all those things uh, you said because it's it's really sometimes it's just down to the basics and finding that common ground again, which I think um, as I reflect on why I started this podcast and, and, you know, covering politics for 20 years of every different stripe, uh, it's really kind of the basics sometimes just taking that big long view of it. Um, I want to talk about someone else who used to be the director of Corimila, and I, I really have reflected on so much of your work and past directors who are still part of the community. Yes. So even though they're, they're past directors, they're always around, they're on podcasts, they're um, writing, directing, producing films. They're just amazing people. Um, very but creative. Pat- <laughs> yes, very creative. It's a beautiful, artsy community too, yes. Uh, but Patrick Otuma, he was recently on the podcast On Being, which I love. So I want to give a little plug there. Um, but he's an Irish poet, and he's former director of Cory Bila. Uh, and he emphasizes the urgency of creating stasis where human connection can be made. And this includes breaking down barriers and getting the right people in the room. So a lot of it is that chemistry, right? Just getting Mm -hmm. the right people in the room, that pausing, that listening. And then he talks about human connection points. So are there some guideposts you use for these human connection points um, and for these, you know, places of finding that stasis when you're talking to groups? Okay. Well, I think think in terms of of a response to that, it's actually um, going to the very basis of, of humanity. And um, for us at Coromela, it's that welcoming smile and hello, and how are you? Um, and it's also being mindful of, of who we're bringing into the room um, and the conversations that we hope to have. Um, we're not necessarily leading the conversations we're facilitating the space and creating the space for those conversations to happen. Um, So it's, I suppose, in the room and making those connections, it's actually having a little bit of insider knowledge about each and every one of the people there 
and what might connect them and how you might introduce that person, what you might talk about. Um, it's about, uh, you know, looking, taking the longer view, I suppose, as well, but being mindful that the past has shaped all of us and that there is a past to people, including ourselves, that whenever we bring in people come into the room, we need to be very mindful of that as well. Um, people connect in all sorts of wonderful ways. Um, I remember in terms of my work, in terms of groundwork, um, we connected with, with both sides of the community. And they had the most wonderful event in our office space, right on the interface in North Belfast. Um, it was a Christmas event for local families. So we created um, atmosphere, we created activity, um, we talked about, um, you know, not necessarily the most contentious issues. Um, so we looked at the arts, um, we, we looked at Santa. So it was, it was basic, basic um, needs and basic things that people respond to. But I suppose that I think we went, went a step further than that. We give people control of the space that was their space. Um, and I suppose we empowered them or we helped them and we, it was very much over to them in terms of what they did. So they felt ownership of the space and they created that space in themselves. Um, and I remember coming up Duncan Gardens that day and it's a very sort of cementy, tarmacy landscape. There's nothing too pretty about it. And it began to snow. And as I parked up outside, um, I noticed that those who were very creative had brought an animal farm. And these animals were housed outside on the pavement as the snow was falling. And one of, uh, you know, there was a reindeer there. So it was Christmas time, it was snowing. It was actually creative use of the environment that was there. And we had a reindeer on Duncan Gardens and people were absolutely ecstatic. Um, and people were stopping their cars on the middle of the road and taking photographs of the reindeer in the snow. And it was that ownership of space, um, albeit an interface or even more interestingly, an interface that was the ownership part and it was their creativity so it wasn't necessarily coming from me um, um, it was something they had thought of themselves and had um, you know had made it work um, I had a friend who worked there at the time and she comes out she says Sylvia I've thought of everything every help risk and health and safety um, risk is being assessed and there is no animal welfare situation going on here. So it was lovely. People had my back um, as much as I had their thoughts and, and their wish for um, an event that celebrated um, Christmas in a cross-community way on a very hard um, peace line in North Belfast. So it's about embracing all of that and being up for a risk as well and not being risk averse, but actually, you know, empowering people and um, 
supporting their creativity and acknowledging what is within and what can be achieved and their role in it. So we make connections in different ways, be it as a geographer for me around, um, you know, the lumpy crossing and that beautiful stretch of water in front of Coromela, be it Podrick through poetry, through his writings, um, be it through the Bible in terms of our theology, um, or, or be it just that amazing use of something that would otherwise be a very bland, tarmac cemented landscape. It's so beautiful. <laughs> and I'm just picturing it all, the reindeer there at Christmas. <laughs> and I mean, that's just, uh, it's it's so beautiful. And I find, you know, sometimes, especially having covered politics or even being a journalist, there's, you know, identities that people automatically, they assume things about you. Um, and especially in this very contentious time we're in. And sometimes to get out of those things, I do try to bring levity um, with sports uh, or music or art, uh, music especially. I mean, we're in yeah. Nashville, so music really speaks <laughs> to us here. Um, but that is some, sometimes the way in is just through the arts or through uh, something where you can find your common ground. Um, and I was reading about Belfast, actually, the hockey team. Uh, never in a million years would you expect hockey to be, you know, popular in Northern Ireland. <laughs> and, and someone told me when I was there, they're not that good sometimes. But the community comes together. They all wear the same jerseys. They all come as one. So Protestants and Catholics who have notoriously been very divided, still, you know, still divided. Um, but they can come to a hockey game and come together and support and rally behind the team. Um, which I think is is so beautiful in a lot of ways. Um, and, and that kind of brings in the identity, which I want to shift to. Um, you know, uh, we carry different identities um, with us at all times. And that's a big part of this. We've spoken, you know, even already about identities and how they come to play. Uh, how do, in your work, identity and labels uh, come into play as you're talking to people, um, as you're trying to work through them and, and maybe even make people realize, you know, you come from many identities. You're yeah. not just this one thing. We can find other spaces where we identify with each other. Absolutely. Like, I've, as far as, you know, I describe myself being, you know, my identity in itself being complex and myself appreci appreciating that complexity of my own identity um, and in terms of Northern Ireland we are becoming a more diverse society with uh, people seeking asylum and refuge who are, are coming to our shores as well um, so in we just really need to be sensitive around uh, different cultures and be more aware of, of different cultures um, we currently work um, with um, we currently work with a lovely group of, of Syrian refugees who are, are based in, in Makrafelt, who live in Makrafelt. And um, we get to know their culture, but we only do that by being alongside. Um, we get to know the times of the year that they celebrate their rhythms and culture. And we only get to know that by being alongside and being able to explore and be curious and ask questions. Um, identity in Northern Ireland is, is, is contested. It's, you're absolutely right. 
Um, but I, I believe it's becoming less so. I think we are at a stage where um, we are beginning to slowly get a bit more integrated about who we are and appreciate who we are as well. And there's lots of stories um, down through the years um, from family and from friends um, where identity was really explored and uh, many events and occasions where um, people knew who you were um, but went out of their way to be your unexpected or unusual advocate which um, was really useful as well. So it is complex um, and I don't think you should shy away from talking about it um, and especially how if we look at intersectionality these days and we can be there's many things within one person that can speak into our identity be it our gender be it our sexuality be it our faith um, be it our community background um, be it if we're a person of color or not there is just so much but what is important is the fact that we all have the same heart, we all have the same issues, we all have the same worries at the end of the day. Um, and the work that we're doing in terms of, of marginalization, how we speak and amplify the voices of those whose voices are not heard all that often. Um, it's the same issues that I had, you know, growing up in a conflict, you know, I single mother, all the rest of it, you know, issues around finance, issues around security, about feeling safe, um, you know, caring for a child, those caring responsibilities. So it's a complex one. And at Coromila, we really do that well in that we really, we go that extra bit in terms of understanding the identity, the complexities around that, the people who are coming so that we can host well and we can take care of whilst they're there with on a journey with us. Yeah, and you work with many different groups. I think that's something that is important to know. It's not just Northern Ireland. You're working yeah. you know, with um, Israelis and Palestinians, bringing them to the table, Syrian Absolutely. refugees. Yeah, you, you bring up, I mean, there's a lot of different identities, right, that you're working with there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so recently we hosted uh, on behalf of FODIP um, the forum um, on Israel, Israel and Palestine. Um, we hosted a group of young people who consisted um, of of young people from a Jewish Jewish background, from a Muslim background, and from a Christian background. And we really, as a place, we had to um, appreciate um, their culture, their identity, their rhythms their practices and, and bring that together into one sweet space where people felt safe. Um, and it's, it's, I think we're very good and we're so good that at it, we actually do it intuitively. Um, and we don't really have the words to speak into it, but it's people first, it's about 
the person that's coming through the door. It's about appreciating them. It's about being non-judgmental. And it's about having that safe space. And it's about, I suppose, setting the tone and leading by example. And um, during that time um, that gr the group was on site, we were very blessed with having Derek Wilson with us, um, who gave an absolute sterling conversation, discussion um, on how to do that very well and how to appreciate difference and at what stages in our life um, did we actually appreciate another culture and at what stages in our life did we unexpectedly um, receive some support, some help, some advocacy from someone we didn't expect, you know. So it's how you, um, it's how that, how it's done in a, a meaningful way. Um, but it's, it's about their space too. It's about our space. Um, it's about, it's about the warmness um, and it's about the tone and it's about um, coming together and people being fit, you know, being able to be themselves and not having to say, uh, I apologize for this. You don't have to apologize for anything. Um, it's who you are and we appreciate that. Yeah, that's so important. Again, kind of the basics when we think about human relationships, but something that when we're in the moment is hard to remember, um, yeah. especially over really hard topics. Um, and I want to dive into something else, too, that, that you really study. You study symbols and rituals. Um, and I was kind of reflecting on this myself from just someone who doesn't study it as deeply, um, but learning a lot from you and all of your work. Uh, how do symbols and rituals come into play in terms of this whole conversation we're having? It seems like they could be quite divisive, but at the same time, they could unite a lot of people if we find the right right ways in, right? Yeah. Um, I suppose in terms of symbols, like for years we've talked about the um, visible manifestations of sectarianism. So that's your, your, your awful murals that you see mm -hmm. on the side of... Um, houses that you see which are very visible which you know um make a statement about what community that you're you're going into um and we've been through a process of 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 taking some of those murals down opening up some of the gates um dealing with the sectar or working through the sectarianism working through the coercive control at some of those strong visual images um, portray um, and the trauma surrounding that as well. Um, and I suppose that leads us into us being a, a faith organization where we look at ritual and lament. Um, so in, in Northern Ireland, we remember our dead separately. Um, we don't necessarily come together to do that. Um, so we have different ways of memorializing, or we have got different memorials um, for different atrocities. Um, and you will find those in different side sides of the community. So through 
um, Carmela's work around ritual and lament. It's how we look at that piece about how we come together and remember together and remember our loss together as well, rather than in a divided way that has been the case. Um, so my colleague Shona heads up that wonderful work. And this um, June 21st passed and the one before, we had a lovely service of lament, uh, which remembered lives lost uh, in Northern Ireland. And fact, not just Northern Ireland, but across the piece, the conflict has left casualties north and south, east and west, um, and across the islands. Um, so it's how we come together uh, as a community of faith, but also welcoming of other traditions and people of non-faith as well, and being symbolic in a way that, um, that remembers that lives were lost and people's survivors' lives were impacted on as well. Yeah, and that's so important. And I talked in past episodes about the murals and uh, the peace walls. Um, I know there's a movement to have the walls come down. Um, they are very, very big, and you know they do have messages yeah. of peace, but they have messages of other things too. Um, and and I think that you know I, I actually stumbled upon a parade while I was in Belfast. I was out um, on a break, kind of antique shopping, and all of a sudden <laughs> there was a huge parade around me, um, and that you know could be very. I, I knew the history more of Northern Ireland and I know how divisive that can be but the fact that these people who are very different and perform these rituals are still coexisting kind of amazes me um, you know what to do about that I think that's a much bigger you know a bigger plan of study and exploration but um, it's interesting because I, I guess as an outsider I was in there just thinking wow like there's no violence and I think it's because 30 years of violence would probably make you think twice and reflect a little more. Um, and you do have, you know, the Good Friday Agreement with its uh, 25th year anniversary just this year, which is is really special. Um, so it's amazing the work you've done. It's amazing the work that um, we can learn from, not only, you know, just in the U.S. or Northern Ireland, mm -hmm. but all across the world and how you bring all those different people. And it's just really beautiful. So I want to thank you for all your work and thank you for for giving us so much time today and insight into what you do um it was a true blessing to be there this summer um and just learn i mean just learn all the processes and i'll be continuing to podcast and write about it um, but to hear from you is just so special to us and i know it's such a busy time for you is there anything else that you'd like to add that we we didn't touch yeah, on today I, I just think in terms of of people's culture and tradition. Um, I think we need to work through that very carefully. It's, um, I was, I, I led on a bonfire management program um, in Belfast many years ago and bonfires are there to celebrate um, the Battle of the Boyne in 1690. And there's, they were, are seen as, as hugely sectarian. Mm -hmm. um, my remit was not to take away bonfires. My remit was to let make them less sectarian and more friendly, more family orientated. So there's a really careful piece of work there where we don't strip people of their culture, but 
we actually work alongside people. And, you know, in terms of bonfires, it becomes more family. Uh, it becomes less environmentally invasive and destructive. Um, and we explore the history of bonfires and why they're so important. And, and we appreciate that. So we don't want to strip people of culture. We don't want to strip people of identity. It's actually, what do we do um, to look after it? Yeah, and to talk through it, right? To meet yeah. them where they're at and talk through it in a safe space. So yeah, that's so important. Um, well, Sylvia, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a special conversation and I can't wait to see you uh, when I come back soon. So I thank you. I look forward to that, Jan. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Grounded on Purpose. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating, which helps others find us and helps our small team to know that we should keep producing more episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at Grounded on Purpose or on our Grounded on Purpose Facebook page. Grounded on Purpose is produced by myself and David Pang. Audio and video editing by David Pang. Music is by Jay Loren and Mike Olekshi. Every day is a gift with a new lesson. Join us once a month as we get grounded together on purpose. Thanks again for listening.